Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And this morning we are gathered together today. As we are gathered together today, we enter into our first communion season of this year. Now, some of you may not be familiar with communion seasons, but essentially they are times that are set apart with a particular focus upon self-examination and repentance leading up to the communion service. Next week we will come together and partake of that blessed sacramental meal. And one of the requirements of each person coming to the table is to examine themselves and to partake in a worthy manner. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 28 and 29, the Apostle Paul writes, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. This is why during uh, the communion season, there is a preparatory sermon that is preached prior to the communion service to aid in preparing the body to come to the Lord's table. And this is what, uh, this is the focus of our sermon this morning. So hear now the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Thus far, the reading of God's Word, let us ask His blessing upon it. Father, we come to You. And we pray, Lord, that Your blessing would be upon us now. That Your blessing would be upon the reading of this Word. That You would cause us to hear it with a ready and open ear. And Lord, that uh, You would uh, have Your Word proclaimed forth today. Use your minister to feed the sheep with the Word of God. Use your minister to proclaim forth this Word today. And Lord, 
Use Your Spirit to apply this Word to our hearts, calling us to repentance, calling us to self-examination, calling us to prepare ourselves before we come to the table. Lord, let Your Word go forth and let it not return void. We rest in you today. In Christ's name, amen. Oftentimes, theologians and scholars uh, refer to the church in Corinth as a church in chaos. This letter that Paul is writing to these saints is not uh, of the same kind as that which we considered in Philippians where Philippians is a letter of joy and encouragement, 1 Corinthians is a letter of correction and instruction. This chapter begins with an account of a grievous, of a grievous sin within the congregation. A man is openly having a sexual relationship with his father's wife. Something that is so detestable that even the Gentiles recognize its wickedness. And so Paul addresses this issue which the church has failed to address. And he pronounces ex- excommunication against that unrepentant sinner, casting him out of the church to be delivered unto Satan. For the destruction of the flesh, (coughs) that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, as verse 5 tells us. (coughs) Excuse me. This is why oftentimes pastors will go to this chapter for a sermon on church discipline. But the topic concerning casting a member out a sinner out of the church it does not end in verse 5 instead paul continues that same topic in verses 6 through 8 he does what he often does which is to go from a specific incident and using it to make a general application to all of the saints. What we see here is the principle that if sin is not dealt with in the church, both individually and corporately, then it has destructive consequences. Sin not dealt with will permeate throughout the church either by encouraging others to sin or by causing others to become indifferent towards sin. Or it may even permeate throughout the church so much so that a church ceases to be called such. Like what we see in the book of Revelation. And so Paul uses the imagery of leaven to teach this important principle. 
And if any of you have ever baked bread, then you've experienced this principle firsthand. The smallest bit of leaven added to the dough will leaven the entire lump. Leaven spreads throughout everything that it touches, and such is the effect of sin both in our individual lives as well as in the corporate life of the church. So before coming to the Lord's table, and in keeping with the commands of 1 Corinthians 11, we must each examine ourselves, searching out any leaven of sin which remains and purge out the leaven from your hearts. And we'll consider this command by looking at it in three aspects. First, purge out vainglory. Next, purge out malice and wickedness. And then finally, feast with sincerity and truth. So first, purge out the leaven of vainglory from your hearts. Look with me at verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? This is the transition in Paul's arguments uh, to go from the specific case of casting out the unrepentant sinner from uh, the church to now the general application of the purging out of sin from the individual and the corporate body. They proudly gloried as if everything had been done perfectly among them. While in the meantime, there was so much among them that was wicked and disgraceful. The man who was carrying on this incestuous relationship was glorying in his wickedness. And this motivated others in the church to glory in their own wickedness. How often do we see this among churches today? Many glory in their own pride, in their own self-righteousness, in their own debauchery. And in so doing, it motivates others to do the same. I've seen members in churches boast of their times of drunkenness. And then that gives cause for others justifying overindulging in alcohol. I've seen men glorying in their breaking of their covenants that they made with Jehovah and that motivating others to publicly violate their own covenant vows. Friends, this is evil. It is the height of wickedness to glory in wickedness. And so to illustrate the infectious nature of this vain glorying, he uses the imagery of leaven, which we've already mentioned. This vain glorying has begun to 
permeate throughout the Corinthian church in the very same way that leaven permeates throughout a lump of dough. It's like a cancer that once it is infected one area of the body, if it's left untreated, it continues to spread throughout the whole body, destroying everything that it touches. Brothers and sisters, you must be careful of this. You must not glory in the things of the world or in the sins of the flesh. Too often we let what seems to be minor sins go unchecked. And eventually we begin to excuse them away, saying, well, they're not really that big of a deal. And that ultimately grows into apathy towards sin and then leads to actually glorifying in that which is contrary to the law of God. Consider Paul's condemnation of the Judaizers and false teachers in Philippians, where he speaks of their glorying in the works of the flesh, in their own self-righteousness, in their being a Jew. Do not fall into the same error. If you are glorying in the works of the flesh, then you are glorying in your worldly ways which are not pleasing to the Lord. If you're glorying in your own self-righteousness, then you are glorying in your own vain attempts to do things on your, in your own strength. And you're not relying upon the Holy Spirit who works righteousness within you. You've traded the gospel of free grace for one of works righteousness. And that is a vanity of vanities. If you are glorying in the fact that you said a prayer or that your name is on a membership roll, then your glory isn't in, in Christ, but instead it's in your own status. Friends, hear the words of the Apostle in Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Vain glory is sowing that which is corruptible. And you will only reap corruption. Heed the call of verse 7 in our text and purge out that leaven. Lest it leaven the whole of your own body as well as the body of this church. Let your glory be only in the cross of your Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto you and you unto the world. Friends, you must purge out 
vainglory. But vainglory is not the only thing which must be purged out of your hearts. You must also purge out malice and wickedness. Look at verses 7 and 8. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Malice is hatred towards others. There must have been some issue of malice within the Corinthian church for Paul to specifically mention it here. And this malice towards others is likely connected to the sin which had begun to infect the congregation. It was likely malice towards those who were against the perversions and were seeking to see the church purified. And this is so often the case. That those who are bold enough to stand on the truths of Scripture and to call out sin where it is found are often the target of the most vicious malice expressed within the body. And so Paul connects this malice to wickedness. which is as leaven to the body. And wickedness, it's more of a general term encompassing all sin. It's not enough to simply purge out the big sins like vainglory and malice. No, every sin, every bit of wickedness must be purged out. Paul's implying that these saints should purge themselves from all impurity of heart and life. This is the call to the saints in Corinth to search out the secret places of the heart, those those hidden places which are not easily seen, and to purge out any sin which is found to be there. Whether it is pride or covetousness or self-confidence or cowardice or whatever it may be, it must be searched out and purged from the heart lest it continues to fester and grow and spread infecting every bit of the man. Matthew Henry writes, Christians should be careful to keep free from malice and mischief. Love is the very essence and life of the Christian religion. It is the fairest image of God, for God is love, 1 John 4.16. And therefore, it is no wonder if it be the greatest beauty and ornament of a Christian, but malice is murder in its principles. He that hates his brother is a murderer, 1 John 
He bears the image and proclaims him the offspring of him who was a murderer from the beginning. John 8, 44. How hateful should everything be to a Christian that looks like malice and mischief. Friends, are you careful to keep free from all malice? Do you do whatever is necessary to ensure that a root of bitterness does not spring up in your heart towards another? If if that malice is there, if that root of bitterness has planted itself within you, then purge it out. Cast it away. Hear the words of Christ Jesus in Matthew 5 and verses 21 to 24. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift." Do not come to the Lord's table and partake of that sacramental meal next week if you have anything against your brother and you've not been reconciled. Go to Him first and be reconciled and then come to the table. Spend this week in self-examination And see if the leaven of malice is found within your heart. And if it is, purge it out and go and be reconciled with that brother. But I pray most of us here do not have the leaven of malice within our hearts. But what we do all have is the leaven of wickedness within each of us. Each of us still has indwelling sin which remains in us that must be purged out. We should die with our Savior to sin and be planted into the likeness of His death by mortifying sin and into, uh, into His likeness of His resurrection by raising again into newness of life, both internally and externally. We must have new hearts and new lives. Every sin, no matter how great or how small, no matter how public or how hidden, must be purged out of the body. Any impurities that remain in you 
in regards to doctrine or piety or practice ought to be purged out and brought into conformity with the Word of God. So examine yourselves as the Apostle commands. Perform a test on your heart. Friends, if we would retain a purity of heart in life, then we must never forget that a little leaven leaveneth a whole lump. If we pray to God uh, to not lead us into temptation, then we must take care that we not run mindlessly into it ourselves. Let your prayer be that of the psalmist in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Friends, you must purge out malice and wickedness. And this purging of leaven from your hearts is what's required of you in your due preparation for for coming to receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. The Westminster Larger Catechism makes this clear in question and answer 171. How are they to receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper to prepare themselves before they come unto it? They that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper are before they come to prepare themselves thereunto by examining themselves of their being in Christ, of their sins and wants, of the truth and measure of their knowledge, faith, repentance, love to God and the brethren, charity to all men, forgiving those who have done them wrong, of their desires after Christ and of their new obedience, and by renewing the exercises, the exercise of these graces by serious meditation and fervent prayer. This is what we all ought to have been doing over the last three months since our last communion service. But even more so, this is what we all must make a concerted effort to do during this week leading up to communion. It is only then that you can come and feast with sincerity and truth. So look at verses 7 and 8 again. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul connects this purging out of leaven (coughs) from the heart with keeping the feast of the Passover. Not that old covenant ceremony of the Passover, 
but the new covenant ceremony, the continuation of the feast, which is in Christ, who is our Passover. The Jews at their Passover, they made sure to search every corner of their houses with a candle in order to get rid of any leaven that might be found there so that they might keep the feast of the unleavened bread according to the commandment. And because Christ, our Passover, uh, is sacrificed for us, we ought to exercise the same care to keep the feast with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The Jews were commanded upon threat of death to forsake the use of leaven and to put it out of their houses for seven days so that they were uh, to then eat of the lamb and the bitter herbs and the unleavened bread. So too must the leaven of sin be purged out of our hearts with the greatest care while we feed by faith upon the spotless Lamb of God and we partake of those bitter herbs of repentance and we eat the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. When you come to this feast, you come as one who has purged out the leaven of your hearts as one who has been covered by the blood of the Lamb just as the Jews covered their doorposts. You come as one who has been united to Christ and who has been clothed in His righteousness. Christ is our Passover sacrifice for us. Rest in that sacrifice. That once for all sacrifice in which Christ took upon Himself your sins and paid the penalty that you ought to have paid. But perhaps you've not been covered by the blood of the Lamb. Perhaps you have never had your heart sprinkled clean. Perhaps you have never been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And if that is you, then I implore you today to repent and believe the Gospel. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10.9 Your sin is wicked and vile and an affront to a thrice holy God. Your sin has earned you eternity in hell where all that awaits you is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But if you cry out to the Lord, if you confess your sins to Him and repent of those sins, then He can make you whole. And you can be made clean. 
If you've not received the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, then friend, today is the day of salvation. Do not wait until tomorrow, for tomorrow may never come. And if you're sitting here and you're deceived by a false assurance and you've never really come to Christ, then the call to you is the same. Do not be deceived. Stop deceiving others. Do not come to the table and partake of the body and blood of our Lord if you are deceived of your own standing before Him, lest you eat and drink damnation unto yourself. Dear saints, Jesus, that spotless Lamb has on the very same month and day and hour that the Passover was first killed and and in the midst of the most inconceivable agonies, both of body and soul, yet without the breaking of any bone, has been slain for us. We are by faith to sprinkle our hearts with His precious blood and to purge out any leaven of sin which may remain in us. And then we are to feast upon His body and blood. Do not fail in your responsibility to examine yourselves and duly prepare to come to the Lord's table. There's a great judgment and great consequence which comes from eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. Make every effort this week to prepare yourselves to partake of this sacrament. But I feel I must give words of comfort in this as well, that you must not neglect the sacrament because of a sense of not preparing enough. It is not your own worth that admits you to the Lord's table, but it is the worth that is found only in Christ. So hear the comforting words of the larger catechism concerning this. One who doubteth of his being in Christ or of his due preparation to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper may have true interest in Christ, though he be not yet assured thereof. And in God's account hath it, if he be duly affected with the apprehension of the want of it and unfeignedly desires to be found in Christ and to depart from iniquity. In which case, because promises are made and this sacrament is appointed for the relief even of weak and doubting Christians, he is to bewail his unbelief and labor to have his doubts resolved. In so doing, he may and ought come to the Lord's table that he may further be further strengthened. Friends, this comfort is... Uh, th- this comfort is that God overlooks our involuntary infirmities and He accounts us as unleavened even 
while there is yet much more to be purged out of us. If you unfeignedly desire to be found in Christ and to depart from iniquity, then you must come to this table next week and be strengthened in the Lord. Friends, you must come and feast with sincerity and truth. Brothers and sisters, the duty has been laid before you. The call of the apostle is to examine yourself so as to not eat and drink in an unworthy manner. So spend this next week in deep and sincere prayer and meditation upon the Word. Consider setting apart a day this week for prayer and fasting and devote yourself to it. Use the Catechism's exposition of the moral law as a guide in helping you to see the leaven within your own heart which must be purged out. Cry out to God in sincere faith and repentance for He will hear your prayer. Hold on to the promise of 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Prepare yourselves to come and partake of the feast of the Lord. Purge out the leaven from your hearts. Let us pray. Father, we come to You and we recognize that there is much within us that must be purged. There is much within us which must be cleansed. There is much within us which must be purified. As we think of this individually, Lord, we ask that You would search our hearts and bring to light those hidden things, those hidden sins, so that we may purge them. Father, let us be as the faithful Jews, searching out every corner, every nook and cranny to ensure that not even the smallest hint of leaven remains. Lord, we ask that not only would we do this individually, but we would do this corporately. That we would examine the corporate body here at Westminster to see where vainglory and malice and wickedness remains and to purge it out to see where any impurity of doctrine, of piety, of practice, of worship, see where any impurity remains. And to purge out those impurities 
to cast them out and to seek reformation among us. That we would always be reforming in accordance to what is revealed to us in Your Word. And Father, we pray that this same act of individual and corporate self-examination and repentance that we uh, seek to see here in Westminster would spread to other congregations, to our presbytery, to other presbyteries, to the denomination as a whole, and ultimately, Father, to the ends of the earth so that we would see even nations repenting of their sins and covenanting themselves with Jehovah. Lord, prepare our hearts this week to come sit at the table of our Lord Jesus Christ and to feast on His body and blood which was given for us as that atoning sacrifice for our sins. Be with us this week and have your spirit work in us to affect these things. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.